Hello and welcome to Ken Talks Film Podcast, episode number 14. Finally, I'm back after a five months absence and I'm happy to be bringing you the biggest and most important news in the world of film, along with movie reviews of the big releases and we're talking trailers uh, that have currently dropped in the last week also. Ken Talks Film is available to stream and download from iTunes, SoundCloud and YouTube. And you have, if you're not already, please follow me on Facebook and Twitter, uh, Ken Talks Film, and I'll be posting the latest and biggest news as and when it drops on social media uh, so you can get all your information up to date on a daily basis. Um, If you enjoy the show, please like and subscribe to whichever format you're listening on, whether it be iTunes, SoundCloud or YouTube. And please share the link to your Facebook or Twitter. Share the love, people. Share the love. So on today's show, we're going to be talking about Wonder Woman 2, Top Gun 2, Uncharted the movie, Sony's extended Spider-Man universe, John Wick 3, and the Godzilla and King Kong sequels. Um, Also, I'll be discussing the newest trailers which landed in the last week, and I'll be doing quick spoiler-free reviews of Wonder Woman, Baywatch, and Alien Covenant, which I've seen in the last week. So we're going to move straight on to the first topic, which is Wonder Woman 2. Um, So Wonder Woman has just hit the um, cinemas this week. And while it's yet to be officially announced, Wonder Woman 2 is pretty much a given. Wonder Woman is already a critical success and is shaping up to be a huge hit at the box office. I personally really enjoyed the film. And if you want to know more, check out my Wonder Woman review later in the show. Warner Brothers Studios is already juggling its franchise to launch solo films for Aquaman, The Flash, Nightwing and Batgirl, which is going to be directed by Marvel's The Avengers director, Joss Whedon. However, it's definitely uh, won't be able to ignore the exciting new franchise in Wonder Woman, which has audiences wanting to see more of the Amazon princess already. Um, it's been revealed the director Patty, Patty Jenkins and star Gal Gadot are both already contracted with Wonder Woman 2. It's no surprise the studios like to lock down major players in advance of a sequel so they can hit the fast track if necessary. Um, and there's no doubt that Gadot has been signed on for a multi-picture deal. Um, so she'll be appearing in Wonder Woman and Justice League films. However, it's great to hear that Patty Jenkins is due to return also. Um, she's proven she's got the talent and vision to take this franchise forward. And in my opinion, it's the best entry into the DC Extended Universe so far, way outplaying um, Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman. However, that doesn't necessarily mean she'll return. While she sounds eager to return to tell another story about Diana, um, it's always possible that creative differences could rear their ugly head. Um, example, Deadpool director Tim Miller was contractually obliged to give Fox another picture and it was assumed to be Deadpool 2, but that didn't work out and he left Deadpool 2 for creative differences, so he still owes Fox one more movie. The big question is where does Warner Bros. Uh, want to take the character and what level of freedom will they give Jenkins if she returns? Will the story take place after the Justice League or could we see Wonder Woman involved in another historic event such as Vietnam or the Gulf War, Afghanistan or Iraq? Jenkins has already quoted the following... I'm excited for her to come to America and be the Wonder Woman we are all familiar with from growing up around her as an American superhero. I'd like to bring her a little farther along into the future and have fun. Exciting storyline that is its own thing. So it very much feels that if Patty Jenkins was to come back on board for the sequel, she does want to do something which doesn't necessarily tie into the bigger universe with the Justice League and focus more on the character, which that character does deserve. It shouldn't be an additional character just links to the greater universe it's definitely something that um you know they need to focus on because it's such a wonderful character wonderful depth and characters and um you know audiences have really taken um to the character and the movie um 
So, you know, so it's great news and I really hope that uh, Warner Brothers don't mess this up, which they seem to not, don't give you the most confidence when it comes to their DC universe, but they look like they got the right foot in the right place at the right time with Wonder Woman. So it'll be interesting to see how Justice League performs later this year. Just touching on Justice League, um, with, um, just some information that came out um, sort of like the last few weeks. Uh, director uh, Zack Schneider, he's actually had to remove himself from the project. Um, he Unfortunately, sad news that his um, daughter took her own life um, not so long ago, back in March. And so he stepped away from the Justice League project. He originally um, um, got Joss Whedon on board to um, do some additional scenes and reshoots. And he was writing and helping out with those scripts. Um, now, Joss Whedon has actually stepped in to direct those reshoots. And he may or may not be involved in the final edit of the film. So I'm sure he's going to be talking to Zack Schneider, you know, and, you know, making sure his vision is complete and forward, considering how much influence he had with Marvel. Um, moving on, we're going to be talking Top Gun 2. So Top Gun 2 has been heating up um, in the last week as Tom Cruise is revealing he plans to start shooting next year. Um, Cruise is in the midst of filming Mission Impossible 6 and he's also promoting The Mummy, which is due out in the next couple of weeks. And he shares some new details on what fans can expect from the sequel. A follow-up to the 1986 classic Top Gun has been in the works for quite some time now, but the project stalled when filmmaker Tony Scott um, who was intended to direct, passed away. So recently, he was speaking with Access Hollywood, and Cruz said the aim with the Top Gun 2 is to keep the same tone and vibe of the first movie, right down to Harold Faltmeyer's very 80s score. And this is what Cruz had to say. We're going to have the same tone that we had with the first one. Stylistically, it's going to be the same. We're going to have the same score from Harold Faltmeyer, Aviators are back, the need for speed, we're going to have big machines. It's going to be a competition film like the first one, and it's going to be in the same vein. The same tone as the first one, but progression for Maverick. So this is uh, fascinating news in the direction, and it's going to capitalize on that current trend of 80s nostalgia, um, something which shows um, like Stranger Things and stuff have been picking up on recently. Um, and you can see over YouTube memes and um, videos, always about nostalgia from 80s and 90s. Um, Top Gun sometimes gets a hard time as being a bit cheesy, but it's a terrific film, um, and it still can hold up today. Um, and uh, casting is going to be really interesting. So one thing for me, Will Val Kilmer be back as Iceman? We'll have to wait and see. No news has come about that yet. But um, Cruz's Oblivion uh, director, Joseph Kosinki, um, he's been reported to be in talks to helm the film. Um, while the director's proven with Oblivion and Tron Legacy that he can handle the big budget, it'd be interesting to see how he can handle a film with a bit more of a lighter tone, which Top Gun definitely is. Um, one thing um, you can't expect from the film is to actually be called Top Gun 2. Cruz has also revealed he has a different title in mind. Cruz has said... It's not going to be called Top Gun 2. It's going to be Top Gun Maverick. I didn't want a number. You don't need a number. Makes sense to me. And I'll be looking to see more developments on Top Gun Maverick as and when they come through. Next up, we're going to be talking Uncharted, the movie. Um, it's, it was recently announced that Tom Holland, a.k.a. Spider-Man in the Spider-Man Homecoming and who we saw in Civil War, will be starring in Sony's Uncharted movie as a young Nathan Drake. Um, taking everyone's by surprise, really, with this casting, um, we're expecting to see a character closer in age to the video game, with names such as Bradley Cooper and Chris Pratt often linked to the role. Um, as someone who's never played the game, I have no complaints. However, it seems that the idea to launch the franchise 
by starting with an origin story of the young would-be treasure hunter was actually Holland's from the get-go. Now, I have been told by my friends who have played the game, there is a segment in one of the Uncharted's, I believe it's three, where they do a bit of a flashback and you do see a young Nathan Drake. So the character as a young version has appeared on screen before, and it seems like this is where the premise is going to start. But in a new interview with Yahoo about his upcoming role in Spider-Man Homecoming, Holland um, also briefly took some questions um, on Uncharted and the next his next potential franchise. So in addition to answering how he came on board, he also shared his thoughts on who he'd prefer to play Sully, the mentor to the movie's young hero. Uncharted doesn't currently have a release date, um, though with Sean Levy set to direct from a Joe Carnahan script, um, you know, there's some real positivity about the movie, but it's just been stalling lately. Now that Holland's come on board, it's going to be, you know, hopefully have a little bit more momentum. So here's a little bit um, of the tale of how Uncharted came to be as an origin story, as Tom Holland tells it. It's an exciting one. Didn't know much about it. It sort of just came. It was a conversation I had with Sony's Tom Rothman about the potential of different movies I'd like to work with Sony. And I just had the idea that maybe a young Nathan Drake would be something the audience would be very interested in. I met director Sean Levy at the MTV Awards and we had a brief chat about the potential of doing an origin story rather than copying what the games have done. And it seems like people have been really excited about it. I know I am. I'm excited to have some further conversations about it. Um, so that's directly from Tom Holland. He goes on to say how he would have cast or how he would like to cast uh, the role of Sully, Nathan Drake's mentor. I think Jake Gyllenhaal could be really cool, but I actually went to the Jurassic World film set the other day to visit my friend who is directing it. And Chris Pratt is on that film, who I've become very good friends with over the last few months. And I think he would be a great Sully. I think it could be cool, because if it was an older movie, I would say that Chris should play Nathan. But I think it would be really good Sully, and I'd love working with Chris. So, some really interesting um, information that come from Tom Holland there. And uh, personally, I would think that's a great idea. Um, one f uh, potential casting, which has come from a friend of mine, Sasha, who you hear on the Zito's uh, Gang Podcast, and who's been on Friends Talk Film with myself... Um, he believes that the only person that can really play Sully who he sees from the video games is Bruce Campbell. Um, so I'm going to leave that there. So fans of the franchise, what are your thoughts on the casting potentially of Sully? And, you know, are you happy with um, Tom Holland taking Nathan Drake as a younger character? Sound off in the comments below. So now we're going to be talking about Sony's extended Spider-Man universe. So... Following the amazing deal between Sony and Marvel, um, which allows Spider-Man to appear in the MCU, Spider-Man Homecoming is co-produced by Columbia Pictures and Marvel Studios and is being distributed by Sony Pictures Releasing. Spider-Man Homecoming aims to breathe fresh life into the character this July in the hands of Marvel after Tom Holland's hugely successful appearance in Captain America's Civil War, and this will be the 16th film of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, meanwhile, Sony is intent on getting more value out of the character's world. Just... You know, just like when you give a small child a remote control and all they do is chew on it and ruin it, Sony doesn't know how to use Spider-Man. You give it into their hands and they just chew it up, spit it out and ruin it. Um, it's, I mean, Sony have planned and confirmed a Venom movie and they have confirmed the casting of Tom Hardy, who will be starring as Eddie Brock, but it's not going to tie in to the same links with the MCU. This is baffling. Um, and Sony are pretty much just trying to grab the money from this um, Spider-Man franchise and use the characters before Marvel do. It's so disappointing. I believe 
a Venom movie, which potentially could be R-rated, um, would be pretty cool. But without the ties to Spider-Man, you're just not going to get the gravity of the character for me. And I don't believe audiences are necessarily going to want to go see a Venom character if they know it's not going to meet with the Spider-Man of the MCU. It seems like a hugely wasted opportunity to me. Um, Sony's other spin-off movie um, is to be a team-up of Spidey characters Silver Sable and Black Cat. So... The one thing here is a refreshing change from the usual pick of indie movie males. Uh, the Secret Life of Bees and Beyond the Lights um, director Gina Price Blythewood is the choice to direct the new movie, and it's going to be called Silver and Black. Um, the clock's ticking down towards a planned October 2018 release, and Prince Blythewood will be getting to work on casting of the film very, very soon. And the script is being developed by Marvel animated veteran and Thor Ragnarok co-writer Christopher Yost, who worked from a draft originally written by Westworld's Lisa Joy. So some good caliber there, potentially, um, for the writing, but... I just don't trust Sony's handling of these characters at the moment. Um, in terms of who the characters are, in terms of Silver Sable and Black Cat, um, Silver Sable was created by Tom um, DeFalco and Ron Friends. Um, she made her debut on the page of Mating Spider-Man in 1985. Um, she was the leader of the Wild Pack and CEO of Silver Sable International. Uh, she's a mercenary and is a hunter for war criminals. Um, Black Cat uh, was created by Marv Wolfman and Keith Pollard, first appearing in Amazing Spider-Man in 1979. Her real name is Felicia Hardy, and she's the daughter of the world-famous cat burglar. Um, raped during her college years, she came out the other side of that experience determined never to be a victim again, and decided to emulate her father by assuming the identity of the black cat to do so, and she mastered um, acrobatics and numerous fighting styles. Um, both characters previously appeared in the 90s version of Spider-Man the Animated Series, so if you want to say, kind of see them a little bit more action rather than other pages, direct yourself to those. You can find those on YouTube. Um, I just hope that Homecoming is a mega success around the world and will bring Sony back to the table to negotiate another deal for Spider-Man to keep Marvel involved beyond Avengers Infinity War and Homecoming 2, which have all been confirmed. Um, but And it's... Is you know for me it's imperative that Marvel stay in touch with this character. Everything from the trailer suggests this movie is going to be a smash. I hope it does, and um, you know Sony will just sit back and say, "Marvel, here, take the reins. You crack on with the character and everything else you need to do. Use all the characters that you need. We're not doing anything with them." Fingers crossed there. Right now we're going to be talking John Wick three. So first of all, if you haven't seen John Wick one or two, shame on you. Um, but um, we're going to be talking John Wick three now. Hollywood has a really nasty habit of switching out writers, uh, pretty much like cheap batteries. Even when the film machine might be working, they would just want to try something different. Uh, so it's nice to report that regular John Wick writer Derek Kolstad will be back for the third film in Keanu Reeves' starring action series. Kolstad is already developing the script with Chad Stahelski, uh, who co-directed the original, and then he was a standalone director for this year's chapter two. Quite what happened in the third outing remains to be seen um, with John Wick on the run. Though Stahelski has said that he was looking to explore the wider assassin's world and expand it by another 25% quite specific, um, but that was quoted by him. Um, the film has already been escalated into a quick pr uh, production while filming schedules start later this year. So we'll keep more news for that in terms of casting, who will be returning. Um, I won't give away in terms of who might be returning for spoilers if you haven't seen John Wick 2 yet. So get on that now. Um, now we're going to be talking about Godzilla and King Kong. So giant creature feature news has been coming in in the last week. Um, firstly, it was announced that Adam Wingard has been hired to direct Godzilla vs. Kong. Um, Wingard's credits include Blair Witch, um, which was released in 2016, and The Guest. Um, the movie is taking aim at a 22nd of May 2020 release in the UK. 
The second piece of news is the casting announcement of the movie that will lead into it, which is the Godzilla sequel, King of the Monsters. Um, Silicon Valley's Thomas Middleditch um, has joined the ensemble. He's the main character from Silicon Valley. Um, Middleditch will be a part of a cast that already includes Millie Bobby Brown, Carl Chandler, Vera Faminga, Charles Dance, O'Shea Jackson Jr., Anthony Ramos, and Ashid Hins. Um, as the new faces, plus Ken Watanabe and Sally Hawkins scientists will be turning from the 2014 Godzilla film. Little is known about the plot that director Michael Doherty um, and co-writer Zach Shields have come up with, but you can bounce some giant monster smashing action. Um, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, is primed to arrive on the 22nd of March 2019, and the cameras are rolling now. So now we're going to be moving on from movie news to Let's Talk Trailers. So these are some of my uh, trailer picks that have come out in the last couple of weeks, and some films that I'm really looking forward to seeing. First up, we're going to be talking about The Hitman's Bodyguard. This stars Ryan Reynolds and Samuel Jackson as a mismatched pair. Um, Reynolds is the world's best protection agent who's less than pleased to discover that his latest client is a hitman who's played by Samuel Jackson who has decided to come in and deliver evidence about his former employees. They've been at odds at each other over the years but now they have sticked together to make it in time so Jackson can testify against a murderous Eastern European um, dictator played by Gary Oldman. Shoot-ups, explosions, F-bombs and a whole load of motherfuckers. This film looks really great and I'm really looking forward to this one. Next up, we got Logan Lucky. It's a tale of slightly dim-witted but wacky criminals with a grand plan. Um, Logan Lucky is basically right in the middle of sort of like a Conan Brothers crime comedy and Ocean's Eleven, and it is a comeback for director Steven Sodenberg, um, who directed Ocean's Eleven. The film is written by Rebecca Blunt and follows two brothers, Jimmy and Clyde Logan. Jimmy is played by Channing Tatum and Clyde by Adam Driver, and they hatch an elaborate robbery scheme they plan to pull off during the Coca-Cola Cup NASCAR race held at Charlotte Motor Speedway. The loot will be stolen via an elaborate hydraulic tube system under the speedway track, with the race serving as the perfect distraction. Uh, Daniel Craig, meanwhile, is the expert in blowing up vaults, named probably by his perfect character name, Joe Bang. Um, Riley Kiao, Hilary Swank, Seth MacFarlane, Katie Holmes, Catherine Waterston, and Sebastian Stan, also featuring Logan Lucky, um, is headed to the US cinemas 18th of August before coming over to the UK for the 25th of August release. Um, this looks like it could be a very fun special film. Daniel Gray looks on fine form in this, um, in a completely different role from what we've been used to seeing him um, with Bond and everything else recently. Um, Channing Tatum seems to be smashing at the moment with lots of different roles all over the place, from Hateful Eight to this you know he's um he shows he's got some real diversity and he's still linked to that gambit movie um which is due as well from fox moving on the next trailer is midnight on the orient express um we've got a first look at kenneth branner's take on the classic other christie character hucker Poirot as he attempts to solve the most famous case um branner who is also directing plays pyro and he's sporting let's say the best mustache in my movie memory um it's it's epic. Um, he's assembled an uh, an all star cast surrounded with full of screen legends and rising stars, um, and all of basically become suspects when a passenger on the train is murdered. Um, the cast includes, take a deep breath, Daisy Ridley, Judy Dench, Olivia Coleman, Leslie Odom Jr., Josh Gad, Michelle Pfeiffer, Penelope Cruz, William Defoe, and Johnny Depp. 
this is an all-study cast. Um, we'll have to wait and see how faithful the film remains to the original um, uh, Christie twist um, from the book and from the movie. Um, we've seen the story told a few times before, most memorably um, Sidney Lumet's 1974 version. So it'd be interesting to see whether they change this up or whether they stay faithful to it. And it's all about the performance and the style of the film. So, but that is something that I definitely want to be seeing. And um, it's going to be... Basically, barring any severe weather conditions, maintenance work, replacement bus services getting in the way, Burden of the Orient Express pulls into station on the 3rd of November. So moving on from Let's Talk Trailers, I'm going to be talking about Ken's spoiler-free movie reviews. So in the past week, I've been lucky enough to catch three films, and so I want to give you sort of my um, feedback and uh, reviews on these. I will try and remain spoiler-free on those, um, because if you haven't seen them, it gives you a chance going without it. And potentially going forward, I might be doing specifically separate reviews for the big releases, and I'll do spoiler-free and spoiler versions. So the first film... Um, this week I'm going to talk about is Wonder Woman. This is directed by Patty Jenkins, who is the first woman to direct a superhero film with a female protagonist. And it stars Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman and Chris Pine as Steve Trevor. So I didn't have much expectation going into this film, uh, following on from Batman vs Superman, which was a terrible, terrible movie um, on so many different levels. The only saving grace of Batman vs Superman was Ben Affleck as Batman, and I did enjoy Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. She was a bit of a highlight of the movie, which was very unexpected. But I didn't go in with necessarily great expectations. DC have just not filled me with confidence. Wasn't a fan of the Justice League trailer, which launched recently. It's not very clear what they're doing with their franchise. Wasn't that impressed. Um, I'm I'm delighted to actually say Warner Brothers round of applause um, you've actually um, pulled one out of the bag here um, this was a great movie um, it's a great superhero movie it's um, it follows a similar vein in terms of an origin story uh, kind of got a little bit of a feel of um, sort of Thor about this movie in terms of that um, sort of like different world so the film actually starts um, which seems to be just set after Batman versus Superman and the photo that we see in Batman vs Superman of Wonder Woman with Chris Pine's character um, Steve Trevor and the other band which Bruce identifies Wonder Woman saying I know you are he sends her like an original photo and it basically is like a the whole movie is like a long flashback at that point so she's recalling that story um it goes all the way back to um her right um, growing up with the Amazons um her not really understanding her powers um that there's something a little bit different about her um Steve Trevor then crash lands and Wonder Woman saves her. He tells her there's this great war going on. A million people are dying, which is World War One, And she feels that she has to um, save humanity. Anybody in trouble, she feels she needs to protect them. And um, the protagonist of the film is basically Hades. There's a legend that Hades is supposed to be um, coming back one day after being defeated by the gods, um, by Zeus. And she believes this war is all created by him. Now, it's... Um, I think what they've done with the character is really, really well done. Gal Gadot um, smashes it out of the park for me as a Wonder Woman. She looks great. She sounds great. She gives a great way forward. Um, he gets Wonder Woman where she needs to be. Um, there's some great action pieces in this movie. Um, there's a lot of slow-mo, and in the action set pieces, it tends to work most of the time. There's sometimes where the slow-mo goes on a little bit too long, um, but generally, you know, you can see the Wonder Woman character progressing throughout the film. What I liked about it is she just doesn't have it all power straight away because she doesn't realize that she actually is 
well this could be a potential spoiler here if you haven't read the comics so spoiler for the next 20 seconds that wonder woman is um half god so she is actually the daughter of zeus um so therefore there is something a little bit special about it she starts to find this throughout the movie finding she gets stronger and quicker um and able to do additional things and you get to see that progression in the movie which is really nice because what you tend to find is the character tends to find all their abilities in one go and then suddenly they're great with them but you see her carry them through the movie which is really great to see um it's got a real strong um link to feminism in this movie which is really well done it's not in your face uh, wonder woman isn't sexualized at all um i think they've handled that character very very well but she shows real strength determination um you know it very plays on much of that era around world war one where women shouldn't be in negotiations they shouldn't be involved with war they shouldn't be involved with um conflict you know they definitely have a different place in the world than the men but you know she breaks down those boundaries and she really challenges them um i think director patty jenkins has a lot of credit um for this movie i think she's done a fantastic job on this um i'm really looking forward to the second one for me i'm going to give wonder woman a four out of five um, next up, we have Baywatch, and this is directed by Seth Gordon, Horrible Bosses. It stars Dwayne The Rock Johnson, um, who's Hasselhoff's Mitch Buchanan from the series, and Zac Efron is party boy Matt Brody. Um, I was actually quite looking forward to this movie. I love pretty much everything um, that the, uh, Dwayne Johnson's in. Um, I think he's um, not just a brilliant entertainer, but I think you know his humanitarian work and the stuff that he does for charities and feel-good things for people is fantastic it's a great motivator um however this film is terrible um it's just not really funny um it was a real disappointment um the trailers were okay i thought there'd be more in the movie but there isn't a lot it's um it is a parody but it's it, the parody kind of feels like it's it's, it's aware that it's a parody, so they're making fun of that, but even that's not funny. So the fact that they're kind of in on the joke, it doesn't make it any better. Um, I've lost a few times, probably four or five times, but in this kind of comedy, you expect to see more. It just seems like they swear in this movie for laughs, which isn't funny. Swearing is just too common these days, unfortunately. Um, but everything is fuck this fuck that no fucks were given fuck and it's just that isn't funny that isn't comedy uh the writing in it is quite poor um there's a few cameos in there um from the original series which you probably expect uh, unfortunately they do highlight highlight those in the opening title which i think is a real shame it'd be nice if they just popped up in the show later on um but yeah not a great movie um i'm gonna give it a 1.5 out of 5 that extra 0.5 is simply because i like uh, Dwayne Johnson um, otherwise it probably would have got a 1 but I'm going to stretch it to a 1.5 because there is a couple of um, funny lines in there next up we got a Alien Covenant um, this is directed by Ridley Scott uh, director of Gladiator The Martian Prometheus and the original Alien uh, films um, stars Michael Fassbender as David and Walter Catherine Watson as Daniels and it also stars Billy Crudup Billy Crudup and Daniel McBride. Um, I've had some real mixed um, feedback regarding Alien Covenant. I wasn't sure whether I wanted to see it because of that mix, but I got the chance to see it. I'm really glad I did. Um, I actually quite enjoyed it. Um, it is not quite the Alien film that the trailers led you to believe. I was really disappointed with the trailers because I felt they gave out far too much away and you saw far too much of the aliens and some of the key sequences in it. Um I think there's some there is some great writing in here. Uh, visually, it's absolutely stunning. Um, I can't fault uh, 
uh, Ridley Scott there at all. He's produced a beautiful looking film. Um, however, there is kind of a twist that comes in the middle towards the end of the movie, which I won't discuss for spoilers, but I kind of saw it all the way and it wasn't a surprise. Um, so that was kind of disappointing that that wasn't covered up better. Um, there's not enough tension in this movie. I think if there was more tension and suspense in this movie, it would have played out a lot better. I was expecting a little bit more of that horror element, which I would just feel I didn't get. It just seemed, a lot of stuff seemed very obvious in it. Um, so that was kind of disappointing. Um, there is one scene in there which um, had audiences um, cracking up where there's a flute scene in the middle. So when you see it, um, you'll understand if you've seen it, you'll understand what I'm saying. Um, but um, yeah, so some of the more immature people in there will be laughing at that. But to be fair, even I had a laugh because it's like, really, you didn't see that line being delivered in that way and people reacting. But um, yeah, but overall, I thought it was a pretty decent movie. Um, and I'm going to give Alien Covenant a 3.5 out of 5. Um, so that's it um, from me on Ken Talks Film this week um, thank you very much for listening all the way to the end um, I'd love to hear your feedback on it so please leave your comments below um, or you can send me an email um, kentalksfilm at gmail.com um, please make sure you like and subscribe like and subscribe whether it's on YouTube SoundCloud or iTunes um, you can follow me on Twitter at Ken Talks Film and please look me up on Facebook um, and search Ken Talks Film like the page and you'll get the notifications as I post um, news that as it comes in um thank you very much for listening and i hope to be back on a regular basis now and until next time bye bye for now